welcome to a news update from Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity Podcast. I'm Christine Burns. Twelve months ago this week, I reported in detail from a special conference at Imperial College in London. Clinicians from Britain, Holland and the United States came together to discuss their different views about the best way to treat adolescents with persistent gender identity issues and a strong desire to permanently change sex. The central issue is about how to deal with puberty. If clinicians don't do something to prevent normal puberty occurring, then a child will undergo changes that are impossible or at least painful and expensive to reverse in adulthood. Puberty can be blocked in a way that's completely reversible. So this is what doctors in several parts of the world are now doing. If the child should change their mind, then you stop the drugs and puberty kicks in as though nothing had happened. British clinicians have been ultra-cautious and conservative, though. They fear factors which might be as yet unknown if you meddle with puberty's course. Paradoxically, they weight this much more highly than the certain negative outcomes of an unwanted puberty. That was 12 months ago. And on the face of it, nothing seems to have changed much today. Clinicians at the UK's only specialist centre for child and adolescent gender identity patients will still only prescribe hormone-blocking therapy once puberty is largely completed at the age of 16, by which time irreversible changes have occurred. What has altered, however, is that the advocates for change, mostly parents of trans children in the UK, are getting much more of a hearing for their case. And the following is a good example of how responsible media can treat the issues. What you're about to hear is an interview from BBC Radio 4's flagship Today programme, which sets the political and breaking news agenda every morning in Britain. Presenter Evan Davis introduces the topic. Doctors are reviewing guidelines for the treatment of children who want a sex change. In particular, a big question is whether it's right to prescribe hormone-blocking drugs to youngsters to prevent puberty. The dilemma is that it's obviously a young age to embark on serious treatment, but on the other hand, if you are going to embark on it, it can be better to do so before the changes that come with puberty. Well, we'll speak to a clinical psychologist about that dilemma in a few minutes. But first, let's talk to two people who have direct experience in this area. Nikki is 16 and has taken hormone blockers. Sharon is her mum. We're not using real names, I should say, here. Uh, Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good um, morning. Nikki, just tell us the experience, because you, you, you wanted them in the UK and you were told you couldn't have them till you were older. So how did you go about getting hormone blockers? Well, in the end, we ended up going abroad to America, um, to Boston, Massachusetts, because in, in the they wouldn't allow us to have it here because they said that they didn't know what could happen and the side effects could be bad. But and in ha- the end, so. You took them, what, two and a half years ago? Um, Something like that, yeah. And has it worked? I mean, are you satisfied with the treatment? Hasn't given you problems of any kind? No, they haven't given me any problems. I'm so satisfied. I mean, obviously, because I haven't got an Adam's apple. I've got a girl's voice from what I can tell. And um, so everything's just normal. And and so what now happens is at some point you will go through the surgical change as well. Yeah. Right. And um, Sharon... Yeah. The, the big question, of course, is whether people are too young to finally make up their mind uh, at an age of, say, 12, 13, and so whether it's too young to start them on that 
start them on that course. What were you always convinced that Nikki was ready and knew what she was about? Um, well, Nikki, from well, at four years old, she told me that God had made a mistake and she should have been a girl. And when she was six, she asked me when she could have the operation. So. And even before then, at two and a half at nursery, um, the staff were telling me that uh, she preferred the little black dress and the pinafore and was playing with all the girls. So I, I've known from a very, very young age that this was something that I needed to sort of pay attention to. And, you know, you hope that this will just be a phase and that they'll grow out of it. But as, as Nikki got older, she became... Um, she realised that it, this was different to the way that other people felt, the way that other children her age felt. She became very depressed. She became very, very sad. Um, she became isolated from her peers. She was bullied because other ch children noticed that there was something different about her. So by the time she was seven, we were referred to the Tavistock Clinic, which is um, sort of the expert centre in, in the UK, um, and they diagnosed gender dysphoria. So I, I suppose... You were always, any parent who deals with this is always hoping that this will be a passing phase and it's something that will go away by itself. But I realised by the time that Nikki was 10, 11, that maybe it wouldn't. And we were approaching sort of the early stages of puberty. So I did a lot of research to find out what would happen and what would come next. And part, of the but, problem, um, well, part of the problem is, of course, that often these things don't settle until after puberty. Puberty is, can be the period at which these things settle. and I, I, I... Early puberty is often the case when these things settle. And um, Nikki didn't get blockers until she'd been through at mm -hmm. least some of the early stages of puberty. And that's really the diagnostic tool that you use. And the thing is, the blockers, they don't stop um, puberty. They stop puberty, they sort of halt it in its tracks. But if Nikki had turned around to me at 15 and said, Mum, I'm not really sure about this, you take away blockers and normal puberty resumes within three to six months. Which is a very important, very important feature then. So it is a reversible very, very treatment, important. hormone blockers. A completely reversible treatment. And it also means that it, for, for Nikki going through that stage when she was being terribly badly bullied at school, she was terrified of puberty, terrified of the changes it would bring. She has always felt like she's a girl on the inside and what's on the outside isn't right so to actually sort of be faced with the prospect of those changes happening to her and her having no control over that and then what that would mean for her for the rest of her life um she was frankly terrified and told me that she'd rather die nikki i mean you've not been in any doubt obviously for for for, for many many years um to what how important though was that was the puberty blocking uh, aspect of the, the the sex change that you wanted well, really, it was a life or death thing because if my voice had broken and I'd gotten an Adam's apple and I would have had to have like thousands of pounds worth of electrolysis to have hair removal and then a tracheal shave to remove my Adam's apple, which doesn't always work completely anyway. And um, it's it was a really life or death thing. And because I also I love to sing and I would have just... That would have been a dream yeah. which would have just completely gone. And Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting story, and you've both made the case there for, for the UK guidelines changing and falling into line with those some, some, some other places. And thank you very much for coming on to, uh, to give us your experience there. Um, let's talk to Polly Carmichael, um, someone who's given a lot of thought to this, a clinical psychologist at London's Tavistock, Tavistock Centre, which you heard referred to there. Good morning, uh, Dr Carmichael. Good morning. Um, You'd listen to that and you'd think the case was 
pretty clear cut, really, that where there seems to be so little doubt about the desire for the change, you would want to start it pre-puberty. Obviously, that was a, a very positive outcome, um, and I'm very pleased about that. But clearly, this is a very complex area, and I think we've seen in recent days just how strong responses are to issues of gender. Um, I actually work at the only specialist service, a national service in the country, the Gender Identity Development Service at the Tavistock Centre, which was set up 20 years ago. And for the last 10 years, we have been um, offering uh, hormone blockers to suppress pubertal hormones. The issue really is around the timing of this. Um, certainly um, in Britain up until now, we've offered suppression at later stages of puberty. And the reason for this is that obviously puberty is itself a very complex process, a time of physical and psychological maturation. And we really don't know the long-term outcome of um, suppression of pubertal hormones from the early stages of puberty. So there are physical implications in terms of physical development, but there are also potentially, and you alluded to this, um, implications in terms of brain development and the role of pubertal hormones on brain development and therefore perhaps on the outcome for a young individual with gender identity disorder. But what's a bit surprising? is there are <clears throat> clearly places where different policies are uh, adopted. So one ought mm -hmm. to have a body of experience. One can just ask, just look at the evidence and say, yeah. when in countries where they do give this treatment, are, they, are there many patients who come away dissatisfied with it? And what, what is the answer to that? Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It is exceedingly frustrating for um, young people who are you know, experiencing issues with their gender identity and feel very strongly that they're in the wrong body, that they feel treatment is available in one centre and not in another. And that is very difficult. However, we need to bear in mind that this is a relatively new intervention offering suppression of pubertal hormones earlier in puberty. It was pioneered in Holland. We're working closely with the Dutch and whilst the initial research is very positive, we are not yet certain of the long-term outcomes. So certainly our centre are developing a research protocol to offer blockers in the early stages of puberty but it'll be to adolescents who meet the eligibility criteria consistent with the Dutch protocol. And it's really important that any change in practice is considered very carefully and also that it um, takes place as part of a, a, a research protocol, preferably, but certainly with a robust system of monitoring so that we can collect evidence to give more information about the long-term outcomes which you're talking about. But it does sound as though, step by step, um, some changes are occurring there. Well, Dr. Polly Carmichael, thank you very much indeed. The Today programme's Evan Davis there, speaking to Polly Carmichael from the Tavistock Clinic in London. Before that, you heard Mum and Daughter Sharon and Nikki. I interviewed Sharon at length in a podcast feature last year. Links to that are on the website. Now, I don't normally comment back on an item like this. However, the purpose of this news update was to reflect on what has changed, if anything, in the last 12 months. While on one level, nothing's changed. Polly Carmichael and her colleagues are still following the same protocols as before. They would have allowed a young person like Nikki to experience traumatic and possibly lifelong changes. They would not have intervened with hormone blocking treatment till those changes had already occurred. Yet the more significant change is that respected media like the Today programme are able to discuss the issues in the mainstream in the way you've just heard. 
and ultimately that forces clinicians, who were previously unanswerable, to account for their decisions. They have to consider the new risk of how their decisions look to others. And this has been a news update from Just Plain Sense. If you'd like to hear more, then the place to go is podcast.plain-sense.co.uk. Join us again soon for another show on a topic of equality and diversity. For now, though, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is the Plain Sense Limited production. If we love-